Good morning, Freedom Center. I walked in this morning, and Miss Pat said, I think we have a, like a loaf of bread for our visitors, sir. And I, have I been gone that much that Miss Pat's giving me a hard time about being gone? So it, it is good to be back. Greetings from Idaho. Um, got to speak at a couple places and teach a couple of staffs, and it was such a great trip. How many of you guys know, though, like, like three times, right? There's no place like... Yeah, I get to be here this week, I get to be here next week, and I get to be here the next week in a row. So excited about that. I had, wow, yeah, the pastor's going to be here two weeks in a row. But uh, it's, it's been a great summer, exhausting, and uh, I'm really glad to be here today, especially because of the topic. We get to get into this, this continued series on catechism. How many of you guys know, I ever went to catechism when you were a kid? How many of you guys enjoyed catechism? Can I see your hand? When my staff said, let's call it catechism, I'm like, really? I, I've never heard a good story. It's kind of like... Um, like, like, like the, the Lutheran or Catholic or Methodist catechism is kind of like the Pentecostal Sunday school or Baptist Sunday school where what we think of is like the basement, hard metal chairs, some lady with blue hair and a bun, flannel graphs, you know what I mean? But I really enjoyed this series because catechism, it, it asks questions and then biblically answers them. How many of you guys know we live in a world that has questions and they deserve a church that knows the answer to their questions? You're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. And so today's question is, what, what are the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Uh, what are the gifts of the Holy Spirit? I wonder, Gabriel, in the back of my truck, is, there's some golf clubs. Did you bring them up for me, please, in the back of my truck under the tree there? I forgot my prop this morning, but you don't know that, so I won't say anything about it. It's too late, yeah. So um, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I, I love this because how many guys know God is moving today? And he's, he's moving, he's moving through people that are looking for him to move. He, he's looking through people that have an expectation, that have a knowledge, that have a, a hunger, an appetite for these things. So since we're talking about spiritual things, I think we should probably talk about golf. Because nothing, nothing makes me want to cuss more uh, and challenges my salvation than the game of golf. And the reason that it does that is because it's, if it's power, like I mean, you guys know, like this makes sense. I need five seconds of power. Bam! You know, pop it, bam, and lifting it, and the power lifting, and the curl, and the, I know you're looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. I lifted weights for a week. It was awesome. I was very good at it. I can squat 200 pounds every time I get out of a chair. I just, 200 pounds, up, oh, baby. You know what I mean? <laughs> Carry it around with me all day long, you know? But that makes sense to me, because this guy, as happy as he looks, um, that bar is bending under the weight of what he has there. Golf requires power. Do you see that? But also, it, it requires form. Kipchoge, in my generation, the greatest marathon runner. The guy ran a sub-two-hour marathon, which means he ran over 13 miles per hour for two hours. That's nuts. Roger Bannister, the four-minute mile, he averaged four minutes and 38 seconds for 26.2 miles. He is a freak. He runs 140 miles a week for fun. And how does he do it? If you were to ask Kipchoge, how do you do it? He goes, well, you know, altitude training, good, good uh, genetics from the Rift Valley of Kenya. Uh, they've, they, for generations, they valued a guy that can run from this village to that village before it gets dark or the lions eat him. So he comes from, you know, people who stood next to chiefs with messages as ambassadors that ran from one village to the other. So he, he's the, the inheritance of, of generations of valuing distance running at high altitude. But, but if you say, what is, your, what is your key to this? He'd say form. You have to keep your shoulders back, your chest. Now, look at him right now. He's smiling. That's after 26 miles. How many guys don't drive 26 miles and look that happy? <laughs> he, he looks like, like, hey, it's a cheeseburger. 
But his, his key is, if you watch, every stride he takes is identical to every stride he takes. He, he has figured out a way to turn corners without changing strides. He doesn't bend over. He doesn't, you know, limit his lung capacity. So golf requires both power and form. How many guys understand power? And you understand form. But when you put them together, it, it starts to fall apart. Because you have power or you have form. You have form or you have power. But the... But Golf requires both. So why are we talking about golf? I, I think for a couple of reasons. One is I envy those of you that can do stuff with it. But the other reason is because it, it requires um, an understanding. We talk about the gifts of the Spirit. There's really a, a valuable lesson in this for us. Um, I, I find that my golf swing requires great faith. You know what I mean? I think, I think it's something that's a blast. But understand this. This club can do something to a ball that I can't do without the club. Not even close, as a matter of fact. It's not like uh, I, can, I can almost do what this thing can do. I can't do anything without the club. When I take this ball and I just say, I want to throw it, just my strength, my arm, I'm going to throw it. I'd probably hit one of your cars if that wall wasn't there. That's about how far I can throw it. Aaron uh, Rodgers, the, the longest touchdown pass in the history of the NFL. I want to guess how long that ball was in the air. How many yards? Anybody know? Take a guess. 66 yards. The NFL record... For from the time it leaves a quarterback's hand to the time it's caught is 66 yards. In other words, a professional athlete who does nothing but throw a ball a long ways and get paid a lot of money to do it and smile and look good, right? He can only throw it 66 yards in the air. But how many guys know that my grandson can take one of these and one of these? My five-year-old grandson the other day has his little driver out. He's at the driving range with his dad. And sure enough, he had the camera in the right place at the right time. He hit that ball. It went 60 yards in the air. Come on, somebody. Five-year-old Tiger Woods. You know? I, I, I encourage that because he's my retirement plan. Come on, buddy. Be a great athlete. You know? So the gifts of the spirit are kind of like this. When I first started learning how to play golf, my dad used to, to, to walk with me, and we had our little card, one set of clubs, because I'm a little kid, and there was I had like three small clubs, a small putter, a small driver, and a small like three iron or whatever in there, and those were my clubs. My dad knew exactly which club was the right club to help me get the ball into the hole. Does this make sense? And the gifts of the Spirit are just like that. Your heavenly Father has the same goal you do, to advance the kingdom of God. To, to bless people, to help people, people that are hurting, people that are, that are sick, people that are sad, people that have needs that only God can meet. And he knows exactly what to put in our hands so that we can take not just our strength, not just our power, but his, not just our form, but his, and we can hit this thing where we can never do it on our own. Um, we're going to get into some of the gifts in just a second here, but before we do, I thought it might be good for us to ask a couple of questions because there is some confusion around the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's very sad to me like, that we're even wasting time talking about uh, about whether the gifts are for today or not. But that's our first question. Are the gifts of the Holy Spirit for today? Um, there are people much smarter than I am and people much dumber than I am that have come to all sorts of different conclusions that I have. But here's the problem. I don't have an argument. I have a testimony. It isn't what I think I know. It's what I know I've experienced. And so when you have experience in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, when you've, when you've exercised these things and they've been such a blessing in your life for somebody to say, well, there's no such thing as carpet. Well, I'm standing on carpet right now. I'm experiencing carpet right now. There's no such thing as chairs. They don't exist. Chairs end in the apostolic age. You'd be like, that, that can't be true. I'm sitting in a chair right now. So when people say things like, God no longer moves in this way, I'm like, you've got to open your eyes. Matter of fact, I'll say this. Not only are the gifts of the Holy Spirit for today, most believers I know operate in them regularly. They just don't know it. They, they say things like, it's luck. It's intuition. 
It's a coincidence. Can I tell you something? Coincidence is often God's way of just staying anonymous. But God doesn't want to be anonymous all the time, right? So Peter explains what happens on the day of Pentecost. He this beautiful thing happens. They have all together in one room and, and the Holy Spirit comes. There's a sound of a mighty rushing wind, Acts chapter two, verse one. And then in, in Acts chapter two, verse four, these tongues of fire come down and separate upon each of those that are gathered in that upper room. And they had this weird, never happened before, but prophesied by Joel experience. They began to speak in languages they had never learned. How many of you guys ever stubbed your toe? You know what I'm talking about, right? There's that you start yabba-dabba doing, you're not quite sure what it is. But, but on, an, on the other end of the spectrum of that is for some reason without saying, now everybody do this, or hey, expect this and when it happens, just do this. There was none of that. They began to just, in their, in their praise of God, suddenly what came out of their mouth was languages that they didn't know how to speak. It was a sign. And so Peter's going to explain this by going back to Joel chapter 2 and verse 28, and he says, this is what's happened, because there's a crowd that gathers. Some go, wow, this is awesome. Some go, I don't, I'm confused. And some go, oh, they're just drunk. How many guys know that when you get drunk, you speak Italian? I mean, I, I know drunk Italians that don't speak Italian when they're drunk. But that, this is some sort of a theory, like, ah, they're speaking French because they're drunk. Like, what an idiot. So anyway, there's been confusion from the beginning is what I'm trying to say, right? So here's his explanation. He says this. He said, in the last days, what, which days are we, is he going to talk about now? It's not the middle season. It's not the beginning season. He's talking about the, the last days. So in the last days, God says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on Who? All people. The last days, all people. Your sons and your daughters, so not just this generation, but a generation yet unborn is, is obviously indicated right here, right? Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. I'm giggling because when I first came to try out for the church, Pastor Burke, the founding pastor, just a, a dear man, but, but a crusty old bird. You know what I mean? How, how many of you know I, I'm, crusty old birds make a lot more sense to me now that I'm getting a little crusty and, and a little old? But I remember he went to introduce me to the congregation. He, said, he put the microphone down. He said, can, can, you take a, can you take a joke? I'm like, dude, I got diarrhea for three days. I'm so nervous about trying out for this church. But what do you say to a combat veteran? Like, no, I'm too sensitive. <laughs> I said, yeah, I can take a joke. <laughs> you know, he said, he goes, one of these days, you may be as good looking as I am. Or one of these days, you may preach as good as I do but you'll never be as good looking as I am. And handed me the microphone and walked off the stage. That was my introduction to the congregation. 29 years old, first time trying out a senior pastor, nervous as all get out. And I got this joke that came to my mind. And I thought, you know, do I dare say this as my opening statement of this congregation? And this other thought came and said, if they don't, if they don't want to hire you, don't do your imitation of somebody else. Just be you. So I said, Jesus is coming soon. The congregation said, amen. I said, I know because it says in the last days, the old men shall dream dreams. The congregation laughed, and he went and sat down next to Sister Burke, and he didn't hear what I said. He said, what do you say? She said, never mind, just sit down. <laughs> In the last days, now Peter's going to sum up his thought about the last days. He's going to take the last days thought in the all people, and, and this is still Acts chapter 2, but now down to verse 38. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And, and what happens next? Anybody know? And you will receive the what? gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you. So how many guys know that that's a generational promise? This promise is for you standing here. This promise is for you as a covenant people, but it goes beyond that. It is for you and for your children. So it was not just an apostolic promise. People who are not born would get this gift. 
So not just those who are here during the apostolic age. There's a belief that some have, and, I, and I, I understand the basis for it, but there's no biblical basis for it. There's a logical basis for it. So much misuse of the gifts of the Spirit, so much manipulation. Um, there's someone here with a vowel in their name, and you're supposed to give all your money to my ministry. How many guys know it's a misuse and, and a, a con artist with a Bible, not the gift of the Holy Spirit? And so what happened was because there, there was a group of people throughout the ages that have always wanted to buy or sell or manipulate with, with what the Holy Spirit does. This is not new. This is biblical all the way through history. What some people have said is instead of saying, this is God's thing, but this is our experience, so let's bring, let's bring God's word down to our experience so we can all be safe. Do you, do you see the logic of that? But here's the danger. When we're safe, God isn't dangerous anymore. It's easier to put your faith in a God who does nothing so you'll never be disappointed. But what if God is here and we're here and instead of lowering him, we decide to take a journey to let God be God and try to figure out what that means. So he says this, this is for you, this is for your kids, this is for all, see that word all? Study the word all in the Greek. You know what that means? This is for all who are far off. How long would it take for somebody in Jerusalem to get to North America so that all would have the chance? Is that going to happen in one generation? Not a chance, right? All who are far off, and, and let's just make a big summary, parentheses, exclamation points, for all whom the Lord our God will call. So there's absolutely, please hear me, there's absolutely no scriptural basis for believing that the gifts of the Holy Spirit ended in the apostolic age. Are you still here? I want to say something else. I want to say it very carefully. That doesn't mean I'm pointing my finger at anybody else for being wrong. There are people who are going to heaven that when they get there will be shocked at who is there and who is not, and I will be one of them. There will be people, and they get to heaven, and they realize their, their gross misinterpretation of Scripture only amplified the grace of the God who wrote it. I, we are all imperfect in our doctrine. Do you see that? So what does perfect doctrine look like? It looks like Jesus. So what did Jesus do? That is the normal Christian life. Did Jesus do miracles? Did Jesus raise the dead? Did Jesus cast out demons? Come on, guys. Believe it or not, where we are right now, is, it's safe and it's wonderful, but what if there were more? Would you want it? Or would you want God just to come down to your level and everybody would be okay? The goal of this life is not to arrive at death safely. The goal of this life is to glorify an omnipotent God. And we have that opportunity. So not only the gifts for today, but most believers operate in them. They just don't know it, or they don't recognize it, or they say, again, luck, intuition, you know, coincidence. So what are the gifts for? They're, they're pretty simple. The gifts of the Spirit are for things like the glory of God. If a, if, a, if a giant fights a giant and the giant wins, you say, good fight. If a giant fights a shepherd boy and the shepherd boy wins, you say, that's a God fight. David is like, David, you're such a great warrior. He's a kid with a bunch of rocks, but he happens to be a very anointed kid with a bunch of rocks. Pick on a kid if you want to, but if that kid's anointed, you're in trouble, right? The glory of God. If, if shepherds and fishermen can confound the wise men of Israel, the Sanhedrin, then they take note. These people have been with Jesus. When, when we fight a, a fair fight, one person wins, one person loses, and nobody notices. But when the Lions, come on, win the Super Bowl, that's a miracle. If we'd have thrown the Christians during the days of Nero to the Lions, the Lions would have lost. I mean, that, that's... That's just a bad joke. All right. 
What else are the gifts of the Spirit for? They're for the common good of the believer. It's, it's, it's like edifying for men's encouragement, strengthening, and comfort. It confirms things. The prophetic especially is such a beautiful blessing. To, that, you know, things that are on my heart that I've told nobody about, and somebody walks up. There's a word of wisdom for a problem I'm trying to solve, a word of knowledge. Someone who couldn't know what I'm dealing with walks up and tells me what I'm dealing with. It's shocking what God can do, and how you, when you know it's God, how that is just it's for the common good of the believer. Praying in the Spirit, praying in other tongues. If it's not an interpretive gift, for the congregation, then what's it for? Paul says it's for self-edification. It builds us up. It makes us stronger in faith. I did it this morning. We lost our puppy uh, Thursday morning. I can't talk about it yet publicly, but when I was over there not knowing what to say to God, I just prayed in the Spirit because I know the Holy Spirit knows what to say to God. That makes sense? And I feel that sense of relief, that sense of comfort, that sense of his presence. And what am I doing? I'm edifying myself through the exercise of the gifts of the Spirit. You still here? This makes sense or am I scaring you guys? Because we haven't gotten to the scary part yet. Okay. Last thing, it's superpowers to advance the kingdom of God. It's, it's the stuff that God does that man can't take credit for, that people who don't believe in God suddenly have to believe in God. So we're going to have the list of, of the gifts of the Spirit. We'll go over them this week and next week. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, healing, all that stuff. But, but I, I just, I just want to say this, again, to expand our minds just even larger, that even though Paul defines these nine gifts like nine golf clubs in a bag, you got to hear me. It's, it's not that these are the only things God does. You ever experienced something that's from God but it's not in the Bible? Yeah, no one wants to answer that question. How many of you guys know God heals bodies? Do you also know he fixes cars? So why is there not the gift of mechanics? Because there wasn't an automobile, but God didn't stop being God when they became an automobile. Listen, if it, if it matters to you, it matters to your heavenly Father. And he will meet you at that place of need with everything that he is for everything that you need. So here's some of the gifts. Let's just, let's just figure out these clubs that our Father's going to hand us. The first one's the, the message of wisdom. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8, to one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. So I don't know what to do, and my father walks out to me and says, here, try this club. Swing this way. The message of wisdom is a beautiful gift. It's, we see this in John chapter 8 where there's a woman that's caught in the act of adultery. It's interesting that she was caught, and it's, it's hard to commit adultery by yourself. Um, but, but somehow the guy got away. I think it was a setup. How many of you guys think that was a setup? So Jesus is in town. Suddenly, we caught a woman in the act of adultery, and they throw her down in front of Jesus. And here's, if you're a Star Trek fan, here's the Kobayashi Maru test, right? There's, there's, it's an unwinnable scenario. There's no way that you can deal with the matter in front of you. Why? Because there's two laws at work. There's the laws of Rome that have jurisdictional authority over the laws, religious laws of Israel. Israel conquered by Rome. They're under their laws. So the, the laws of Rome say there is no one but the authority of Rome that can dictate that someone is executed for their crimes. We have to agree that it's a crime. We don't care what your religion is. We don't care what your culture says. We don't care what you caught somebody doing. You cannot execute somebody without us. And adultery was not a crime that was punishable by, by death. But the law of Moses said marriage is so sacred that to, that to defame in any way causes so much pain, so much destruction. The loving God said it is so wrong, it's so harsh, it's so brutal on the human soul, it's so harmful to our children, it's so bad for our culture that anyone who steps out of this covenant deserves to be killed. Now, how many guys know marriages might stay together a little bit longer if the penalty was death? I'm not saying let's kill each other, I'm just simply saying this. Do you understand the heart of God behind what seems like a harsh commandment? It's a harsh commandment, why? It isn't because God hates all this stuff, it's because he loves people. And so there's two laws at work. And so they throw her down. She's caught in the act of adultery. Teacher, hey, rabbi, hey, hey, mercy guy, hey, legal expert. Here comes all the laws of the Sanhedrin. The Kobayashi Maru test has begun. 
The law of Moses says that a woman caught in the act of adultery should be stoned unto death. And the law of Rome says you can't do that. What do you say? Now, he's done, right? Because if he says stone her, then Rome will kill him for presiding over an illegal execution. But if he says don't stone her, then he's violated the law of Moses. So what does he do? Understand, this is the gift of wisdom. Do you see it? He gets out and he goes, yeah, let's, let's talk about guilt. But not hers. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, you're right. There, there are people here that are guilty and they deserve death. And you're one of them. So how about this? Let's not talk about her guilt. Let's talk about your qualification. You're all that in a bag of chips. You want to preside over this poor woman's execution? She went into that tent looking for love, not law. And law will not redeem her soul. And with wisdom, he shuts down the wisest voices. This is a, was a, it's a pitching wedge. It's a 64 degree. This thing came with, with protection goggles. What's he doing? He's taking the club, the gift of the Holy Spirit, called wisdom, the gift of wisdom. And he interjects into the unwinnable scenario, not, not only their correction and her redemption, but his glory. Do you see this? The gift of wisdom. You say, well, that, that's good for Jesus. What about us? I'm telling you, God gives this to you too. You ever, you ever been in a situation where there's no way out? And then someone goes, what if we just did this? You're like, that's brilliant. You ever hear the story about the semi that got stuck under the bridge? It was like a train overpass, and it got stuck, and so, okay, we could weld this and cut that, and they've got FEMAs out there, and one kid on his bike on the way from school sees it and goes, why are you going to get that truck out of there? They said, we're working on a summer plan. You know, these are government workers. It's going to take six months. We're going to have to have a blue panel discussion. There'll be hundreds of millions of dollars spent, and it's going to be huge. He goes, why don't you just let the air out of the tires in the truck and back it up? I was, uh, <laughs> I was sharing Christ with a group of kids, a hard group of kids, Army Brats, Fort Hood, Texas, and I loved them. I didn't know Jesus. The school was across the street. They come across to our church parking lot to fight and do drugs and get pregnant. And I, I would stand behind one-way glass, and I would just pray over them. And one day God said, don't just pray over them. Go talk to them. I'm like, oh, okay. What if, what if they ask me a question I can't answer? The whole Moses burning bush excuse session, that was like Moses had it down. And I, I, was, I was probably quoting Exodus. That's what I was doing. I wasn't a coward. I was quoting Exodus, had the same objections. I went out there, started talking to people about Jesus. Lo and behold, people started giving their life to Jesus. They were just waiting for somebody to tell them. How many guys know when the guy who's buying drugs is now talking about Jesus? The guy who's selling drugs for somebody else starts to not sell drugs. The guy who owns the drugs gets mad about that stuff. So he cocks up, and as I'm talking to people about Jesus, he had this stick with a nail in it, and he'd walk up and say, you talking about Jesus again in my parking lot? Now, I'm a military police officer, and this is an army brat. I can tie him to a pretzel. I can tear him in half. I can rip off his head and spit down his throat. But it's not the greatest witness. If you were to die today, no, today, no, today, no, today, where would you go, you know? Oh, it was, it was, I didn't know what to do because I want to be this man of peace, but this punk with a stick with a nail in it. So one day he walks up to me and he's like, are you talking about that God stuff again in my parking lot? Man, don't put a stick in my face, right? That's like saying sick him to a dog. That's like saying you're Toro to a bull. And this, are you talking about Jesus in my parking lot again? And I said, what is your objection to all of this? I, I, it was like, he's elevated, I'm elevated, and it's, I'm just going to break the stick. Once I put it down his throat, I'm going to break it off. He's going to have to choke it out, right? So I say to him, you know, have you ever seen God? Have you ever seen him? Do you know this? Why do you say that? And this is what happened. It was so funny. I, I just, I said to him, do you have a brain? Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you, that wasn't like, the Holy Spirit spoke to me in a still, small voice. <laughs> it just came out of my mouth. Do you have a brain? And he grabbed that stick and he reared back. He said, yeah, I got a brain. 
And he's, I'm a, now, now here comes the Holy Spirit. I said, how do you know? You ever seen it? He said, no. And it was funny. He was like, no. I said, then how do you know it's there? Well, I, it works. It functions. It's proven. It's got a track record. There's, there's books about it. There's, and he's backing up, and I'm walking towards him. I said, but the same words you just used to tell me and prove to me you have a brain I've been using out here for six months telling you there's a God, and he's after you. And you need to drop that stick, and you need to drop to your knees and give your life to Jesus. Can I tell you something? That wasn't Jim's logic. That wasn't a carefully constructed moment. That was a gift of the Holy Spirit. My heavenly father put a club in my hand. I wanted to kill him with it, but he put it in my hand, and I, and I hit the ball where my logic could never go on. Does this make sense? The gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, and so he's, he's trapped, and Jesus says, I, I won't be trapped. Why? It, it, let me ask you this. Have you ever seen this gift in action? Raise your hand. Have you ever seen this gift? Like you've been a part of it, or someone has been a part of it. Unanswerable, and it's there. Every raised hand means either they're a lunatic or this is for today. Second gift, look at this. The message of knowledge. What's this look like? This is, this is when God puts something in your knower that you have no earthly business knowing. You just know it. We see this again. Um, Jesus is at the, uh, the, well, let's just do this. First Corinthians 12, 8 to another, the message of wisdom. So Jesus, Jesus is in this, um, this city called Sychar. It's a Samaritan village. And there's a woman who's been married five times and is shacking up with Bubba right now. And she comes out to get the well in the middle of the day. A lot of shame, a lot of anger, a lot of resentment. She's, she's been used and abused. She's pretty hard about that, and I, I don't blame her. Jesus is there to save her. And this Jewish man speaks to this Samaritan woman, which is culturally on so many levels wrong. And he says, why don't you give me a drink of water? And she's like, why don't you just stuff it? I mean, they have this, she's so rude to him in a polite way, and he's so kind and patient with her. To watch this interaction is just really comical. And so finally, he says, she's starting to kind of come around a little bit. He goes, why don't you go get your husband? We'll, we'll keep talking more. She goes, well, I, I'm not married. I don't have a husband. And this is what he says. He says, you're, you're right when you say you don't have a husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is a husband, but he's not your husband. You're living with somebody else's husband, or you're living outside of the, the covenant of marriage. And she goes, I perceive that you're a prophet. What did, what did he do here? What's he trying to do? He, he's getting this from a natural, political, social, economical, racial argument to something deeper. Understand this, guys. The word of knowledge goes beyond our arguments. When you tell me what I'm dealing with and you have no business knowing that, it opens my heart. It gets past my defenses. If you go out to me and say things I know, I'm, I'm an arguer. I love to argue. I'm, I'm German. My last name's Vigant. You know, weekend. I mean, I'm a like that's a German uh, mercenary. I debate the scriptures. I, I mean, I love a healthy debate. You guys love healthy debates? Not on social media. Not that garbage of stupidity. The little one-liners. But a, a sincere person who wants to talk about something, I will argue all day long with them and be wiser for it. Right? And that's what he's doing. But I'm gonna understand that beyond that, there's this moment where you've got to touch somebody at a deeper level than their brain. And the gift of the word of knowledge does that. They just, they just knew. And again, by a show of hands, anybody just anybody ever called you or you called somebody because you just felt like you should? And, and what was that? My, my mom, she's frightening this way. She's probably watching right now. Mom, you scare me. Hi, good to see you. I'll get a speed bump in Michigan. I'll get a call from Florida. Are you okay? I felt a disturbance in the force. What's, what's going on? What's, you know? Um, love activates these gifts. My mom loves me. And so these gifts flow freely between you know, from her towards me. And my, my dad, I mean, he was, I have a bio dad who was an atheist, but I have a, a, a believing dad who was my stepfather who raised me. That guy, I mean, this, this, this really changed the trajectory of my life. I was offered eight separate positions coming out of ministry school. Didn't know what to do. All I knew is that if I picked the wrong one, she wouldn't be there. Let's not get our priorities disconnected, but I wanted her. 
and I don't know where she is. So my dad, I was talking to him on the phone. I said, well, you know, tell me your options. He goes, okay, the Lord told me which one it's going to be. You go there, you choose it, you commit to it, and then call me in a few weeks and let me know. Don't, I mean, I used to call him all the time. Call me in a few weeks once you're settled, and I'll write it on a piece of paper. Your mom can read it to you just so you know that God, that you, God has placed you there. Three weeks later, I'm in Mesa, Arizona. My youth pastor, she's on her way about a year later to meet her for the first time. I'm loving the kids. I'm loving the ministry. It's right where I'm supposed to be. It's my sweet spot. I can feel it. I call him. He answers the phone. He goes, did you take that job in Mesa? I said, yeah. He goes, that was the one. I got it right here on a piece of paper. How many guys know that confirmed everything for me? It's a word of knowledge. You see, but this is beneficial. It builds us up. It's good, right? How many guys just knew something even though you didn't know how you knew it? Anybody? You remember talking to somebody, and, and there's such a, something in your heart goes, I need to ask another question so they can, for the first time in their life, begin to be honest about this issue. It's a word of knowledge. Um, I've run out of time, and I want to respect time because I'm a guest speaker here anymore, so I don't want to be the guy that goes over, you know. <laughs> but I, I do want to do this. Piano Girl, if you'd join us. A couple other gifts. Please look them up on your own, but man, there's, the, there's that the miracle of healing, you know, that, that miracle of faith. Look that up. It's, it's beautiful stuff, First Corinthians chapter 12. But I, I also want you to, to hear this. <clears throat> and Lyndon, you listen to me too because this, this pertains to you. Um, Pat Brady. I may know Pastor Pat and Teresa Brady. Pat sat right about in this area. Mike, probably where you're sitting there. And uh, he walked in, an, an unbeliever. His children, one by one, had come to Christ. His wife had come to Christ. And the day we dedicated this building, Pat came just to make his family happy. Jesus had really moved into their lives in a, in a deep way. And he just, he just wanted to share the day of dedicating the new building with them. And it was, it was over the course of months that he finally kind of ascended into this realm of belief. His, his confession of faith sounded literally this way. He said, you know that stuff you guys believe? <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about. Like, yeah, I know that there's stuff that we believe. Pat, what do you? He said, you know, I, I don't have any objections to it anymore. What's that make me? I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, am I one of you? I thought, well, don't scowl when you say it. I mean, am I one of you? I said, yeah, I guess you are. No objections to Jesus? No. Believe he died for your sins? Yeah. Believe he lived a sinless life? Yep. Virgin birth? No doubt in my mind. I researched it carefully. I, I just, I never had that moment. Boom. I said, well, maybe you don't need a boom moment. Maybe you just need a boom revelation that not only do you not have any objections, you You've always hoped it would be true, and now you know it is. So he, he, he got saved, you know. Um, started to really study the Word, listen to great teachers, and he, he passed me. We're, I'm floating down the river in my inner tube, you know, leading this poor man to Jesus and discipling him, and at some point he got in a speedboat, just took off, you know. Four years ago, he called me, and he said this. He said, I, uh, I had a vision. I'm like, really? I, like a, an exam or... Like, how, how's your, your glasses? Like, I didn't understand what he was talking about. Because I had a vision uh, that I'm in the Caribbean. I'm living on a boat. And I could just, I, it was true, even though it wasn't true. It was real, even though it wasn't real. And I was supposed to, like, there's somebody in, like, a Caribbean island that needs healing and needs Jesus. And so I want you to know I'm resigning from the Linden Church. And, and I'm, I'm going to sell everything I own. And my wife and I, we've tested this and we fasted. We've prayed. We're going to move on to this boat. And we're going we're gonna to looking for this guy. I feel like God's going to make me a circuit rider, circuit preacher. And that's, how many guys know, that's a pretty good claim, right? Sold everything they own, bought this boat that has drained every penny from their account, I think. Here I talked to him, how's it going? Well, I had to drive backwards uh, for two hours because my steering went out and this line blew up and the engine and the computer and the, it's crazy, right? I talked to him last week. He called me on a satellite phone. He said, I found him. I said, what do you mean? He said, I found him. Who are we talking about? Remember four years ago, 
I told you there's a vision of a guy and he's leaning against a wall. It's in a Caribbean nation. He said, I, I grabbed, I, we're, at, we're at Grenada. Everywhere I go, I go looking for him. It's like I grab the jug of water and I, I just go walk around until I get hot and tired and, and I look for him. He said, I found him. He's just like I saw. He was leaning against the wall. I walked up to him and he said, how you doing today? He goes, well, I'm pretty high. He goes, here, let me get you a glass of water. Had a little cup for him, ready for him. Gave him a drink of water. And he said, how's that? He goes, that's good. He goes, hey, you know what? Can I just... Can I just talk to you about God? And he goes, sure, I, I believe in God. He's this, he's that, all these crazy beliefs. And Pat said, no, I, I, don't, I don't think that's what God is. As a matter of fact, I've experienced him not to be those things. Well, that's, you know, that's your religion, this is my religion. It's not going well is what he's telling me. So Pat just said, you know what, let's just do this. One of the, the miracles we'll talk about next week is, the, is healing, divine healing. Actually, it's supposed to be this week, so I'll read it about it. Divine healing. He said, can I ask you a question? He goes, I, do you have any, and he had this in his mind, that God was going to heal this man of something and he was going to give his life to Jesus. He said, do you have any sort of physical, is something wrong with you? He's like, why would you ask that? Because I don't know. I just got this feeling. Yeah, I've been looking for you for four years. That would freak him out, right? First date, I'm supposed to marry you. Like, ah, you know? So he said, he said, I, um, he goes, yeah, I've got this fungus, he called it. And he, he put his shirt down, just full of um, bumps and welts. Physically, you could see it, you could feel it. It was painful, it was itchy. He goes, I have this fungus. It's been driving me a little nuts, you know. He goes, can I pray for that? He said, well, what do you mean? He goes, I, I just want to ask my God, who is God, to confirm to you that he sent me to you. And if God healed your body, would you believe that God sent me to you? And he said, well, I, it's a good start. So he bowed his head. He prayed for him. He said, how's it feeling? He goes, well, I, I don't know. It's, it's less than it was, so that's weird. But it's not, it's not gone. He said, well, let me pray again. How many guys appreciate faith? But let me pray again. He prayed again, and the man's name is Kevin. He reached back. He said, it's completely gone. Every bump is gone. Every, it's not itchy. It's not sore. What did you just do to me? He said, I, I've been looking for you for four years. God told me you'd be here, and I've been searching for you from Tortuga and St. John's and St. Kitt, St. Martin. I've, I've been to more saints than a Catholic person looking for redemption. I've been, I've been. And I found you. I said, what happened next? He said, not much. Surprisingly, I, that wasn't the breakthrough that I was really hoping for and I, I believe is going to happen. So this, he asked me this. He said, would you mind? He said, we're, we're at Assemblies of God pastors, but we're not in the Assemblies of God. And then we just, we just need people to join with us. So can we do this in closing today? How many of you guys think it'd be nice to be a part of this miracle? Can I remember, if you're part of this, that means you believe in a word of knowledge. You believe in the wisdom that only the Holy Spirit can give. You believe in miracles. You believe in healing. And if you don't, it's okay. You believe in Jesus, I'll see you in heaven. But I believe the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for today. And I would love for this congregation, can we just stand to our feet at this time? I would love for this congregation to be a part of Kevin's salvation. I'd love to be a part of this mission. But you said, I don't really have a covering. I'm like, you have a covering. Wherever you're loved, come on, you're covered. How many of you guys love, you guys know Pat and Teresa? You know them, you love them, right? They're loved here. Many of you like never met them. They've been gone for oh, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. They went to Linden, whatever it was. So many have never met them, never even heard about them. But we're gonna join together in the island country of Grenada by faith where Kevin is wrestling with what just happened to his neck. And he doesn't know which God did it or his God or somebody else's God. How many of you guys wanna be a part of Kevin's salvation? You ready? So how many of you guys see God's got his hand at a club? To a brother. He sent him four years, sold everything. How many of you guys think that one soul is probably worth all that and more? That really does.
Teresa Brady does. It's one thing for Pat to have the vision. How many guys know the greater faith isn't Pat, it's Teresa's? She wasn't at the burning bush and heard the voice. She's just the poor lady that was married to the nut that did. She has, she has great faith. She has great faith. So just close your eyes right now. Father, we just, in our hearts, we just go to a place that we've never been, to a man we've never met, to a people group that you've called a, a friend to be a missionary to. And we bind every hindering spirit in Jesus' name. Every lie that Kevin has believed and the other Kevins in Grenada have believed, God, we bind those lies in the name of Jesus. Let truth permeate. Let light shine in darkness. May the gifts of the Holy Spirit, not not the mental ascents and endless debates, but the unshakable, unmistakable encounter of God occur in multitudes of lives. Pat and Teresa have given up everything but it's nothing compared to what you gave up so that they could. So we honor you in Grenada. We honor you in Linden. We honor you in this room by bowing our heads and saying, we believe that you will move heaven and you will move earth and you will confound the wisdom of men and you'll turn scholars' doctrines on their ears and you'll teach those who are like children to do the things that you've called them to do. So Father, we pray for Kevin and all those like him that will be encountered soon. We pray for the Bradys. Come on, would you pray with me right now? Father, we pray, give them wisdom and direction, provision and vision. A four-year-old vision, man, to be faithful that long. It's like Noah building an ark. It's an, ex- it's an astounding act of obedience. And we just bless them. And we cover them right now in prayer. We cover them with love. We pray, Jesus, that you would lead them to where you would send them. And when they get there, may you be standing there with them. May they never have to stand alone, you know. Give them faith. Give them the miracles of healing. Give them, God, words of knowledge and wisdom. Put clubs in their hands so that the holes of this world will be filled with the golf balls of souls, God. May it just be a, a, a beautiful thing. Your power and your form coming together flawlessly. Now listen, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And Lyndon, it's time for you guys to sign off and go your separate way here. God bless you as Pastor Jason leads there. and. And uh, the other campuses as well. But for us, just in the closing couple minutes, I want to say this. Um, two things. One is this. The greatest gift God will ever give is salvation. Do you see that? It's taking not just blind eyes and opening them or deaf ears and stopping them or, you know, parts of our, our bodies or even our souls that don't function. It's, it's when God takes a dead man, body, soul, and spirit, and makes that person born again. The greatest miracle God will ever do, I believe he wants to do this morning in people's lives. If you're here today and you're like, Jim, here's, here's the problem, man. I'm like Kevin. I don't know. Or maybe you're like, I'm, I'm like Pat was years ago. I, man, I, I got questions. I got doubts. I, and I, I, I get that. But let me just also say this. The questions are answered once you meet the person who answers those questions. And it's not me. Not the people sitting next to you. It's Jesus. What if you were to, what if you were to taste this morning and in that taste you saw but the Lord is so good that you wanted another bite <laughs> and another bite and another bite. With every bite, you get hungrier. Every bite, it, it doesn't satisfy you completely. It, it's, it's so joyful, and yet there's so much more that it just makes you want more. So, Father, I pray that today, I pray it, it, as if there was for a prophetic word to an individual right now, God, I pray over those that are here today. May they taste and see that the Lord is good. If, you're, if your heart is open to God, listen, I, I promise you, God's hand is open to you. 
your mind is open to God, I, I promise you, you are the thing that he thinks about most. Like the sands on a seashore, so are the thoughts of the Lord about his people. You're, you're here because he's been thinking about you. He loves you. He, I mean, he, you were so valuable to him that the cost of his son was worth paying so that a moment like this could take place. If you're not right with God, how do I get right with God? You just say, God, everything that stands in my heart that's opposed to you, I ask you to remove it. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to give me a clean slate, a fresh start, a, a new beginning, to be born all over again. Like everything past is past and everything from this moment forward is forward. If you're here today and you're not right with God, just tell him, come on, your own words, God change me. God save me. God heal me. God help me. Some of you need comfort. Come on, raise your hands. All this room, this is an act of obedience right now. Not you, but if it's you, do it. If it's not, don't do it. That's what I'm trying to say. I need healing, God. I need comfort right now. I need salvation right now, God. Like a child would raise their hands so the Father knows, I want you to pick me up. I want you to take me to where I can't get on my own. I need to get off this, this dirty earth and into the arms of my Savior here today. I need my Heavenly Father to bend over from eternity into this world and grasp me so firm that I'll never doubt being loved again. I need that. I need that. I need healing in my body. I need teaching in my heart. Listen, I just want to say this. If you're like, hey, that, that teaching on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that contradicted some of the teaching I was raised in, and those people loved me. Don't, don't you dare insult them. I just, you've misheard my heart if that's your accusation. Hear me. My, my passion is not to demean anyone else. I, I defy you to find anything I've said that is demeaning towards any other group of believers anywhere in the world. But it is incumbent upon me if I see something to show something. Does that make sense? If my argument was forceful, it's only for the sake of letting you know this is, like if you can correct what I said today and show me in the Bible where the gifts of the Spirit were for one generation and no other, I'll stand up here next weekend and I'll correct my own, my own sermon. I've been doing this for decades. No one has yet to find something that isn't plainly written in Scripture that says it's for you. The Holy Spirit's for you. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's for you. The, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it's for you. It's for your children. Your sons and your daughters will either be junkies or prophets. It's up to you. It's for you. They'll, they'll prophesy. They'll dream dreams. They'll live meaningful lives. Or they'll just get their brains sucked in an electronic device. It's up to you. But I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit wants to encounter your sons and your daughters. He wants to, to lead in your home. He wants to love freely without religious objection because of a teaching that, that never expected God to show up. God is here. He's shown up. He's baptizing. He's healing. He's saving. He's giving gifts to those who, who have their hands. If your arms are folded, I can't put a club in your hand. But if you're playing golf and you know where the hole is and you know where your ball is, wouldn't you turn to someone and say, would you hand me the right club? Listen, every morning you wake up, say, Holy Spirit, hand me the right club. Father, hand me the right club. So, Lord, I just, I just land the plane today believing that you're going to continue to speak. The gifts are on their way. Come on. If you want gifts, say amen. The gifts are on their way. Baptisms, on the way. Salvation's on the way. If it hasn't happened now, it's happening now. God, I pray for my friends that you would bless them with a fabulously meaningful life. When it's all over with, may we be exhausted and spent <laughs> and so happy to go home. So God, we love you. Take this teaching now. Produce fruit in Jesus' name. And everybody said, 
Amen, amen. Turn to two or three people and say, you know, for a guest speaker, it wasn't awful. Hopefully with practice, it'll be better next week. God bless you. You're dismissed. Go get your kids, especially. I went long, and we will see you soon.